We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 686 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, October 26th, 2023, and we are off and running <laughs> with the Wizards 2023-2024 regular season. A 143-120 loss at the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday night. Yeah, the Wizards in their regular season opener gave up 143 points. The damn Washington Wizards. Thank you, Stephen A. Smith. Hey, the Wizards are rebuilding, so we need to be prepared for a lot of this this NBA season. Much more on the Wizards later in the show. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Things weren't all bad for the Ted Leonsis Monumental Sports and Entertainment Empire on Wednesday night. The Capitals did win. Uh, They got their first regulation win this NHL regular season. Heck, the Caps held a lead in a game for the first time in six games this regular season. A crazy 6-4 win at the New Jersey Devils on Wednesday night. And we'll talk Caps later in the show. Uh, That Caps win coming at the expense of a team for which Josh Harris is the managing partner. What about the NFL team for which Josh Harris is the managing partner? The Commanders, are they going to win their next game? Uh, Should we even want the Commanders to win their next game? You know, I was thinking about this. Given that the NFL trade deadline is this Tuesday, October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern, and given that the Commanders have so many significant players set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason. And given that the reality with this commander's team appears to be that the team is going nowhere meaningful this season, uh, what about blowing things up? What about the idea of a win over the mighty Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon perhaps being a bad thing in that it might dissuade the commanders from doing what they should do regarding the trade deadline? Selling and selling hard. A win over the Eagles would make for a nice sugar high, no doubt. But in the bigger picture, what would the win mean? I mean, unless the win would lead to the entire season turning around, um, I'm not sure that a win is actually in the best long-term interest of 
the commander's team. Would the win convince the team to not do what it should do in selling and selling hard regarding this NFL trade deadline? There's a lot to be thinking about with our football team right now. Coming up on the show, lots of commander's conversation. Next segment, a breakdown of the team's first injury report for this game against the Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. I'll also discuss the play that has become maybe the most unstoppable play in all of sports. The Eagles' brotherly shove, the tush push, (laughs) Uh, and more off what Commander's head coach Rod Rivera said during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. And then we're going to spend some time talking about quarterback Sam Howell and the Commander's offense, especially the sack problem. Uh, off comments from Ron and from Sam during his uh, pre-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. Ron on Wednesday afternoon revealed that offensive line changes could be coming for the commanders. What might those changes be? Uh, He also said that he has been having some uh, conversations with assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Biennemi. And later in the show, a Goldilocks preview and pick for Virginia Tech football. The Hokies are home to Syracuse Thursday night at 7.30. Before we get to some feedback, the Nationals, uh, they on Wednesday morning officially announced some front office hirings that we've talked about. The Nats announced the hirings of Danny Haas as vice president of amateur scouting, Brad Sielek as senior director of amateur scouting, and Reed Dunn as assistant director and national cross-checker for amateur scouting. The most intriguing hiring to me is that of this guy, Brad Sielek. The Nats plucked Sielek from the Orioles. Uh, He had been the Orioles director of draft operations since November 2021. He had been with the O's in various scouting capacities since January 2013, and that followed a previous stint with the O's from February 2011 to November 2011. Uh, The O's have the best farm system in baseball thanks to great drafting and player development, Uh, two areas that have been major problem areas for the Nats in recent years. Uh, you can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Eric from Weedman on something that I talked about on Wednesday's show, episode 685. Some telling and revealing metrics from ESPN regarding commander's receivers. ESPN has these tracking metrics for NFL receivers and tight ends based on player tracking data from the NFL's next-gen stats. The metrics are on a scale of 0 to 99. Among the metrics is open score. How well guys are doing at getting open. The rankings For the commander's top three receivers in this category of open score for this regular season, not good. Uh, Terry McLaurin tied for 75th out of 109 qualified players. Jahan Dodson tied for 81st out of 109 qualified players. Curtis Samuel tied for 85th out of 109 qualified players. Writes Eric, some time ago there was mention of Eric Bieniemy's offense regarding the receivers. Something about the route requirements, location, and spacing. This is something that Terry mentioned to the media a few weeks back. Perhaps the challenges with this contribute to the receivers getting open. It is painful, but the record and the offensive ranking is as the talking heads road, same as it ever was. In my view, our defensive line should have destroyed the Giants last Sunday. Their offensive line was replete with guys from the street. Jack Del Rio should do some blitzing to build energy and disruption. Too much to expect this overrated front four to take over a game. It is painful to hear about Chase Young and his wonderful counts of hurries and sacks when we lose. The Giants defensive line took over the first half. Our defensive line did not. 
Thank you for the email, Eric. Uh, Yeah, Terry McLaurin in a session with reporters on September 27th talked about the concept of spacing in Eric Bieniemy's offense. Here was that cut, and you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4. Spacing is very important in this offense to where um, you may you can run the route with some freedom, but at the same time, you, you can't deviate too much from where you're supposed to be in the spot and because the quarterback is depending on that kind of timing. So um, it's been an adjustment, but at the same time, it's, it's just on us to execute the game plan. How has the spacing felt through three weeks? Um, I mean, I think we've had some good. We've had some bad. I think uh, when you're in a detail-oriented offense like this, when the spacing is off, the play is – Nine times out of ten, probably not successful. And it takes all the receivers, all the skill guys, whoever's out on that concept at the time, to be in the right space, in the right split, taking the right depths, um, reading the coverages because your 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 routes can change predicated on the, the coverage. So it's it's very detail oriented. So we really got to trust each guy to be studying their film, knowing their assignment, and going out there and executing. Because if you're not, then I'm in Jahan's zone or I'm in Curtis's zone, uh, and I'm off, and that throws off the whole play. Yeah, that was interesting from Terry McLaurin back on September 27th. And that does perhaps help to explain why he, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel are not getting open as much as you'd think that they would. Uh, You know, these guys are talented receivers. They didn't just all of a sudden forget how to get open. Uh, As for the commander's defensive line, not dominating the Giants' offensive line the way that the Giants' defensive line dominated the commander's offensive line. No doubt, that was disappointing. But The commander's defense in that loss at the Giants played well enough to win. And it's not like the defensive line was terrible. I mean, this was not an A-plus game, but this to me was like a B-plus game, okay? This was a game in which the defense played well enough to win. The commanders totaled four sacks. The commanders stopped the run. They held Giants running back Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida to combine 24 carries for 81 yards. That works out to a yards per carry of just 3.38. And the commanders against the run uh, generated that massive red zone takeaway courtesy of interior defensive lineman Deron Payne, the force fumble and the fumble recovery. And ultimately, the commanders held the Giants to just 14 points and just 5 of 16 on third downs. The defense wasn't perfect, gave up way too many big passing plays, but the offense lost the commanders that game, not the defense. Email from David Meadows on the commander's loss at the Giants, writes David, I watched in amazement as my team once again lost to a bad team. Watched an offensive line led a team that couldn't get a sack on anyone become the 85 Bears. But I had an epiphany. We don't have Dan Snyder as our owner anymore. I'm going to watch my team squander another season and wait for January and see what Josh Harris does. It is my only hope. Thank you. For the email, David, uh, what must the former owner of the Commanders, Dan Snyder, be thinking right now? Do you think that Dan is secretly happy that the Commanders are struggling? Do you think that when Dan is watching these games, assuming that he's watching these games, wherever he's watching these games, maybe in England, maybe on the super yacht, who the heck knows? But do you think that when Dan is watching these games, if in fact he is watching these games, that he is rooting against the commanders. I wonder. You gotta wonder. Email from Marlon G on the commanders writes, Marlon, we need blood. We can't have the same BS. Either Jack Del Rio or Ron Rivera has to go. We need some big changes. Someone needs to go to make a statement saying that we can't lose against the Bears and Giants. We need a sacrificial lamb because this is really unacceptable. Thank you 
For the email, Marlon, I hear you, man. I do. And I would just tell you this. Change is coming. Massive change is coming. Uh, it may not happen now. may not happen in the coming weeks, but it feels as certain as ever that massive change is coming. You know the phrase winter is coming, meaning that something bad is coming? Winter is coming, both literally and figuratively, for the Ron Rivera regime. Making change now, I don't think would do a lot, but I do think that the change is coming. Winter is coming. And winter also should be coming for those overcharging you for home and auto insurance. If you are not happy with what you're paying for home and auto insurance, you're not alone. Stop overpaying for home and auto insurance and get with BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. Uh, And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, that sound that you hear is the clock ticking, tick-tock, tick-tock on the commanders regarding what they will do in terms of the NFL trade deadline, which is this Tuesday, October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern. The reports and rumors have started. Commanders insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post, she on Wednesday morning reported that one team has made a trade offer to the commanders for edge defender Montez Sweat, but that no team up until that point had made a trade offer for edge defender Chase Young. Uh, This was off what NFL insider Josina Anderson of CBS Sports reported on Tuesday afternoon, that it was her understanding that there were several NFL teams with interest in trading for either Montez or Chase, while also willing to offer whomever was traded for a contract extension, as each guy is said to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. Commander's head coach Rod Rivera did a post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. He, very late in the presser, was asked if changes to Commander's personnel are a possibility. This was his answer, and then you'll hear some back and forth, including some off-mic conversation between Commander's insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 and Ron. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm going to take anything off the table. 
Does that include the trade deadline coming next week? That we'll talk about once we get there. All right. Thanks, Phil. All righty. <laughs> I appreciate that. The commanders and the NFL trade deadline, Ron Rivera, quote, that we'll talk about once we get there, end quote. Uh, Yes, we will. In the meantime, the commanders have a game on Sunday afternoon, game number eight of their 2023 regular season, the three and four commanders against the six and one Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field Sunday afternoon at one. The commander's injury report for Wednesday featured nine players. Four Commanders players were listed as not practicing at all during Wednesday afternoon's practice. Receiver Curtis Samuel was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon due to a foot injury. Left guard Sadiq Charles was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon due to the calf that he re-injured in the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants this past Sunday afternoon. Linebacker Cody Barton was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon due to the ankle injury that he suffered in that loss at the Giants. And corner Kendall Fuller was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon due to a veteran's rest day. Two Commanders players were listed as limited participants in Wednesday afternoon's practice. Right guard Samuel Cosme due to a hip ailment and tight end Cole Turner due to an ankle issue. But listed as a full participant in Wednesday afternoon afternoon's practice, interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis. Do you remember him? (laughs) The commanders on Wednesday morning announced that they had opened the 21-day practice window for Mathis, who basically is Bigfoot. You've heard the rumor, but you've never seen the actual entity. Uh, Fedarian Mathis has been on the reserve injured list since August 31st due to a calf injury. He was taken by the commanders in the second round of the 2022 NFL draft out of Alabama. He, for the commanders, has played in one quarter of one regular season game. He and the team's win over the Jackson Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one of last season suffered a left knee injury, and that was it. He was placed on the reserve injured list on September 12th, 2022. Did not play the rest of the season. The commanders had high hopes for Mathis going into last season, but he is basically a complete unknown as an NFL player. Here was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on how much Fedarian Mathis can help what already is a crowded rotation along the defensive line. Well, that'll be um, obviously a decision that we're going to make based on um, you know who we're getting ready to play. Um, you know, this week we wanted to make sure we got him up and got him going to see where he is uh, first and foremost before we do activate him. Um, and then once we do make a decision, obviously we've got to decide how we want to how we want to integrate him into the into the group uh, as far as being a, a guy that'll be up on game day. Well, as for the Eagles, they are really healthy. Uh, Just one player on the Eagles' active roster did not practice on Wednesday. Corner Bradley Roby, uh, this due to a shoulder injury that had him inactive for the Eagles' last game. The 31-17 win over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday night football. Speaking of that game, the brotherly shove... The tush push uh, was on full display in that game. The Eagles have become masters of this play, which is a short yardage play on which the quarterback on an under center quarterback sneak gets pushed from behind by a player or players. Uh, The play is legal, but the play is controversial. There are those who believe that the play should be outlawed. Personally, I do not have a problem with the play, Uh, but a whole lot of teams have had problems stopping the play. The Eagles in their win over the Dolphins on Sunday night went Four of four on fourth downs, three of the four fourth down plays were brotherly shoves, were tush pushes. Heck, two of them came in the Eagles' own territory on a fourth 
quarter drive with the Eagles nursing a 24-17 lead. This was something. Fourth and one for the Eagles at their 26. Fourth and one for the Eagles at their 37. Each play resulted in a two-yard run by quarterback Jalen Hurts on a brotherly shove. As Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni said during his post-game press conference on Sunday night, the Eagles at this point approach every first and 10 like a first and nine because the brotherly shove has become that automatic. Think about the competitive advantage that is. Every first and 10 is a first and nine. Why other teams aren't running this play, I do not know. Why the commanders haven't even tried this play, I do not know. But this was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on why the brotherly shove, why the tush push has been so effective for the Eagles. Well, I think it's basically the technique they use more so than anything else. You know, uh, the big advantage they get is they crowd the ball, but they know the snap. And, and that's one of the things that you've got to be able to do is you've got to get underneath their leverage. You've got to stop their leverage. And then you've also got to stop the quarterback, who's you know a tremendous athlete, very strong-legged guy. Um, and you've got to be able to stop him from going up over the top as well. Remember what happened in the Commanders' first game against the Eagles this season, the 34-31 overtime loss at the Eagles in Week 4. We in overtime had a mess of a tush-push play. The Eagles' lone offensive drive in overtime, which resulted in kicker Jake Elliott's game-winning 54-yard field goal, included a tush-push play on which you could argue that both teams were offside. On a fourth and one for the Eagles at the 50, Jalen Hurts had a two-yard under-center quarterback sneak out of tush-push play that was an absolute mess in terms of players appearing to be offside. You can find the play online. Just look at Commander's interior defensive lineman Duran Payne and Eagles left guard Lane Dickerson. Duran had his hand under the ball <laughs> before it was snapped. Dickerson was across the line of scrimmage as the ball was being snapped. The whole thing was ridiculous. You know, the reason that the tush push might get outlawed isn't its effectiveness, but that it is a near impossible play to officiate. And so you get a mess of a play like what we had in overtime for the Commanders at the Eagles in week four. Uh, the Commanders are just one and four since their two and start to this regular season. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on the mindset of his team going into this game against the Eagles this Sunday afternoon. Well, I think the biggest thing more than anything else is that we've got 10 games left, you know, and, and, and I, I think the biggest thing more than anything else is we've got to focus in on taking them one at a time. I mean, that's the truth of the matter is that uh, the opportunities in front of us, there's nobody in the, uh, in the NFC that's really running away with, uh, with any of the, um, you know, the, the later spots in the, in the playoffs. So, you know, if we take them one at a time and see what happens, there's a lot of good things that can happen, but we're going to focus one at a time and get ready for Philadelphia. Well, like Ron Rivera's buddy, Nationals manager Davey Martinez likes to say, just go one and oh each day. All that we're trying to do is go one and oh each day. Uh, we, during Ron Rivera's post-practice presser on Wednesday afternoon, had this exchange between Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Ron. How important is this game considering, you know, 0-2 in the, in the division so far? There's probably going to be a lot of Philly fans. How important is, is this week? They're all important. They, they really are, Sam. I, I mean, um, this is the most important we'll have up to this date because it's the one we're about to play. I mean, and that's, that's the approach that we have to have. And, you know, that's what we're talking about. This is a big one for us. Next week will be the next big one for us. But the focus is, you know, Philadelphia and just trying to prepare for it, understanding what is at stake. And like you said, you know, 0-2 in the division, you know, you obviously get a win in the division. It's, it's big. It's a win in the conference, which is just as big as well. So, you know, we've got to go out there and, and play good football. 
Yes, you do. And uh, there has not been enough of that these last few weeks. Hey, if you have a big event that you're planning, consider going with Catering by Uptown. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you are having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit CateringByUptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event waitstaff. No experience is necessary and you get paid in-house training. A great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit CateringByUptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. So we, over the last 30 seasons, have seen plenty of bad offenses for the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. But can you recall a bad Washington offense like this 2023 commanders offense, which basically is bad because of one problem? Now, this is not the offense's only problem, and the problem is due to a variety of reasons. But I believe that the offense, if not for this problem, would be decent, maybe even good. Heck, the offense, even with the problem, has been good at times. I'm talking, of course, about the sack problem. The commander's sack problem remains out of control. And as the team prepares for its game against the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1, every commander's fan is wondering, are the commanders, are the manders gonna get better at not allowing sacks? The commanders for this regular season are just 27th out of 32 NFL teams in total offense per DVOA and are just 24th out of 32 NFL teams in yards per play, 4.75. The offense is not good. The sack problem is the number one problem. Quarterback Sam Howell this regular season has been sacked in NFL worst 40 times for an NFL worst 267 yards lost on sack. Sam has taken at least five sacks in six of the Commander's seven games this regular season. He is on pace to take 97 sacks this regular season. As you may have heard, (laughs) the NFL record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a regular season is 76 by the Houston Texans' David Carr in 2002. Sam is on pace to obliterate that record. And forget about the franchise record. The franchise record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a regular season is 49. That record is shared by two quarterbacks, Norm Snead in 1961 and Trent Green in 1998. Sam Howell already is at 40 sacks. Uh, If the commanders could just lessen the sack problem, never mind getting it under control, but just lessen the sack problem, the offense would be so much better. You know, Sam for this regular season is 16th out of 32 qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's version of total expected points added, total EPA, which does not include sack EPA. So without the sacks, 
Sam has been a very respectable quarterback. But with the sacks, Sam has been a bad quarterback. ESPN's total QBR factors in sacks. Sam for this regular season is just 25th out of 32 qualified NFL quarterbacks in total QBR. Sam Howell on Wednesday did a pre-practice press conference that started shortly before 12 p.m. You know, there is a cycle (laughs) that has emerged that needs to stop. The cycle is Sam takes a lot of sacks in a game. He at his post-game press conference and at his Wednesday press conference talks about the sack problem. Then the next game happens. Sam takes a lot of sacks in that game. He had his post-game press conference and at his Wednesday press conference talks about the sack problem. And on and on we go. Rinse, wash, repeat. Sam on Wednesday on this uh, ongoing cycle with the sack problem. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's continuing to happen. And we're trying hard each and every week to try to avoid those on Sundays. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, obviously, we're, we're, we're trying to do all the right things to correct the issue. Um, and obviously, we, we have yet to solve it. Um, and it's kind of been a, something different each and every game. You know, some of the same things keep coming up, but, you know, it, it obviously it is a problem, and it's something that as soon as – if we fix it, our offense will be much better. Um, so it is definitely something, obviously, I think everyone's kind of tired of hearing about it, but, I mean, I think obviously it's you guys' job to keep talking about it, and we and we, it's our job to fix it. Um, and so that's the reality of it. So all I kind of – all I try to do is try to come in here each and every day and try to – look at the ways that we can do a better job in protection um, and how I can do a better job of getting rid of the football. Now, something that could prevent Sam Howell from setting a new NFL record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a regular season is getting injured. Uh, we all hope that, that does not happen, but he is taking a lot of hits. Here was Sam on Wednesday on if he has talked with other guys who have played quarterback about how to handle being hit so much in a season. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, you know, I've leaned a lot on Jacoby, who's here, as far as, you know, what he does to kind of get his body back and ready to go. Um, then as far as trying to avoid the sacks, yeah, just talking to him, talking to my coaches. I mean, I think we have a good feel for how I can do my part as far as avoiding the sacks. It's just a matter of me going out there and trying to grow in that area each and every week. And I feel like I have made progress in that area. I think I'm doing a better job getting rid of the football. Obviously, you know, we still got to do a better job and doing different things to prevent those sacks. Um, But yeah, I mean, everyone's trying to do their part, for sure. If you're curious about the Commanders QB2, Jacoby Brissett, his career regular season sack percentage is 7.6. That's not that good, but that is a lot better than Sam Howell's sack percentage for this regular season, 13.5, the second worst sack percentage among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL. More from Sam on Wednesday on the sack problem. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where, you know, we want to – obviously the sack the sack problem is definitely an issue, and we want to try to avoid that um, and try to, you know, limit those numbers. Um, but at the same time, you know, I still want to go out there and play how I'm coached to play and still keep my eyes downfield and be able to locate those guys and not be too worried about the rush, um, you know, and let those guys up front do their job. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a balance of trying to avoid sacks but also trying to still play quarterback for sure. Well, nobody wants Sam Howell playing scared, but we all want this sack problem to be gotten under control. And again, the sack problem is due to a variety of people and things. It's not all on Sam. I would say that going into the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants this past Sunday afternoon, Sam had been more culpable 
for the sack problem than the offensive line had been. But the loss at the Giants was different. The offensive line did not play well in that game. Some really bad blocking. Also some undisciplined play. Commander's offensive linemen on Sunday afternoon committed seven penalties, six of which were accepted. Uh, as we talked about last segment, left guard Sadiq Charles was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon due to the calf that he re-injured in the loss at the Giants. Also, right guard Samuel Cosme was listed as a limited participant in Wednesday afternoon's practice due to a hip ailment. Could the health of Sadiq Charles and Sam Cosme, coupled with the bad offensive line play in that loss at the Giants, lead to some offensive line changes for the commanders? Head coach Ron Rivera, during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, said that offensive line changes are a possibility. Here was that and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN. We're looking at a lot of things right now and things that we want to do as far as um, going forward with, uh, with the offensive line. Anything you can share? At no, this point? just Any like changes there's a lot of things that you know, we're talking about and discussing and looking at. All right, very interesting. Uh, Ron Rivera later in his post-practice presser on Wednesday afternoon got asked about a possible change at center. Benching Nick Gates, who did not have a good game in that loss at the Giants, in favor of Tyler Larson, and Ron was not dismissive of that. Take a listen to this exchange between Commanders Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post and Ron. Since you know what you have in, in somebody like Tyler Larson, is there any consideration to, to using him more or moving to him at this point? You know, there is, as I said, uh, Nikki, a lot of things that we're discussing and talking about and, and, and things that we feel can help us. And then as far as Cody Barton, any plan there? Are you kind of waiting to see the severity of the injury or what's up? We're, we're, yes, we're waiting to see about, you know, both he and Sadiq, you know, and later into the week before we make a definitive as to, you know, where we're going to head with that. So Ron Rivera not at all dismissing the possibility of benching Nick Gates in favor of Tyler Larson. Uh, one of the more maddening things with the sack problem has been Sam Howell getting sacked so much in each of the commander's last three games, despite the opponent for each game having had so much trouble generating sacks. Week five, the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday night football. The Bears came into that game with a mere two sacks over four games in this regular season, and yet Sam in the game took five sacks, although the last two sacks came late in the fourth quarter during garbage time. Week six, the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons for this regular season through week five were dead last in the NFL in team sack percentage at 3.01 and were tied with the Giants for dead last in the NFL in sacks with five. And yet Sam in that game took five sacks. Week seven, the 14-7 loss at the Giants. The Giants for this regular season through week six were dead last in the NFL in team sack percentage at 2.72 and were dead last in the NFL in sacks with just five. And yet Sam in the game took six sacks. The good news is that the commander's opponent this Sunday afternoon, Philadelphia, has not had trouble generating sacks this season. The Eagles for this regular season are 11th in the NFL in team sack percentage, 8.28, and are tied for third in the NFL in sacks with 24. So if slash when Sam gets sacked a bunch this Sunday afternoon, we can at least say that he got sacked a bunch by a team that had been good at producing sacks. Uh, Sam on Wednesday on the Eagles defense. Yeah, they're good. Um, Eagles definitely one of the the best defenses in the league. You know, I think they're the best defense against the run so far this year, and I think they're probably 
fifth or sixth against the pass. Um, and so they're, they're, I could be wrong, but I think those are the right numbers. Um, but they're doing a good job, you know, and they're doing a good job up front. Obviously, they have all those guys up front, and you know, I could sit here all day and name all those guys that they have. They have so much talent up there up front, and they have, they have a good job. They have good players in the secondary. Um, you know, everyone's kind of starting to get back healthy, and then they just signed the guy from Tennessee who's a good player. Um, so they definitely have all the players they need to be successful, and they've, they're, they've been playing really well on defense the past few weeks. Um, so we'll definitely have our hands full. Well, the Eagles for this regular season are 10th in the NFL in total defense per DVOA and are 9th in the NFL in lowest opponent's yards per play, 4.92. But one of Sam Howell's best games this season was at the Eagles. Week 4, the 34-31 overtime loss at the Eagles. Sam in that game, 29-41 of for 290 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He did take five sacks, but he also had six carries for 40 yards, and he quarterbacked a commander's team that scored 31 points and went 8 of 17 on third downs, despite playing one of the best defenses in the NFL. Sam on Wednesday on what for the commander's offense in that overtime loss at the Eagles that he wants to replicate in this Sunday afternoon's game against the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You know, you can kind of get into the whole, like, what do we think they're going to do differently? What should we do differently? Um, but I think the main thing is whatever, you know, our, our, our plan is, we just got to execute it. Um, and no matter kind of if they want to make any adjustments or anything, you know, then we'll be ready for that and we'll be ready to adjust. Um, but, you know, we're, 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 going to go, we're going to go into the game, you know, with however EB feels. Um, and, and we just got to execute. That's, that's what it comes down to. Sam Howell's quality performance in that commander's overtime loss at the Eagles in week four was a bounce back performance. It came off his really bad performance in the 37-3 loss to the Buffalo Bills at FedEx Field in week three. Sam in the loss at the Giants uh, did not have a good game. He did play better as the game went on, but he over the commander's first five offensive drives went just a six of 15 for just 72 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception, and took six sacks. Sam for the game quarterback a commander's offense that scored just one touchdown and went a woeful one of 15 on third downs and one of three in the red zone. Not all of this was on Sam. His offensive line, not good. Uh, assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy's play calling, not good. But Sam playing well against the Eagles this Sunday afternoon would constitute a bounce back performance. Sam on Wednesday on why the commander's offense in the loss at the Giants was not good. Yeah, I mean, I just think we started too slow um, and we didn't execute well enough in the first half to give ourselves a chance. And obviously, you know, we did some good things in the second half, which gave us a chance to win the game. And there was, we had so many chances there on that last drive to, you know, to score a touchdown. Um, and so it, it, that one definitely hurts. Uh, but the, the best part about this league is we have another opportunity this week um, and a good Philly team. And we had a good battle with them last time. And so hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll do a good job this week as far as preparation goes and go out there Sunday and try to put our best foot forward. I tell you, I am very interested in what Eric Bieniemy is going to say during his pre-practice press conference on Thursday. Now, I know <laughs> Eric's Thursday press conferences have quickly become very familiar. Uh, they are very long. They are filled with cliches and generalities, and the pressers do not include much insight into what's going on with the offense. But what is Eric going to have to say for himself off that offensive performance at the Giants? You know, we during Ron Rivera's post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon did get this back and forth between Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of the Washington Times and Ron regarding Eric. Take a listen. 
What do your conversations with Coach Bienemy look like after a game like that? You know, it, how do you give feedback? Do you participate in his post game? What, what does that process look like? Well, for the most part, it's, it is you know having a discussion with him, sitting in on their on their meeting, and then going from there. And are there any kind of big picture? I know you're not going to go into your changes, but any big picture takeaways on things broadly that you've yeah, got there, there were some things that we talked about and and, and you know and listening and, and discussing and, and then listening to the conversations he had with the coaches. You know, obviously there, there are some things that we're looking at to, to to see how we can adjust them. All right, so Rod Rivera and Eric Bieniemy have been talking about some things. Uh, we got a great breakdown of what went wrong for the commander's offense in the loss at the Giants on Wednesday's show, episode 685, via our conversation with commander's analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. As Mark told us, Eric Bieniemy's game plan for the loss at the Giants wasn't as bad as it seemed, but Eric certainly could have done a better job. Something that I've been advocating for, and I know that I'm not alone in this, uh, is more moving pockets for Sam Howell. Moving pockets are a great way of mitigating a sack problem, and sure enough, we, as the loss at the Giants went on, did see more moving pockets in the way of shotgun sprint out plays, and the plays worked. Second quarter, on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 35, Sam had an 8-yard shotgun sprint out completion to receiver Jahan Dodson. Third quarter on a fourth and one for the Commanders at the Giants 12, Sam had an 8-yard shotgun sprint out completion to Jahan Dodson. Fourth quarter on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 13, Sam had a 9-yard shotgun sprint out completion to Jahan Dodson. Are you noticing a theme here? Sam and Jahan on Sunday afternoon had a good thing going on the shotgun sprint out. Never mind that uh, Jahan had that killer drop on the commander's final offensive snap of the game, but that was not a shotgun sprint out play. Sam Howell on Wednesday on why the commanders don't go with more moving pocket plays like sprint outs. Yeah, I mean, you kind of got to get, um, when you kind of go out there on the perimeter, it limits, you know, what what all you can do as far as like route combinations and stuff like that. Where you kind of got to have like, the right look to run those types of plays um, and it's harder to get the right look every single time um, you know obviously we did a we did a good job in the game and we were seeing a lot of man coverage so we kind of knew a lot of those route route combinations would be good um, but it's just kind of a throughout the game thing you know we you like to to you know put sprinkle in some movements every now and then just to try to keep the defense off balance um, but you know we know it's something that we can get to if we ever need a positive play for sure I hear what Sam Howell was saying right there and how getting out on the perimeter limits what an offense can do, but how about the play-action boot? Play-action boots can be very effective. I don't get why we can't see more of those. Uh, much more on and from Sam Howell in moments, but if you are a Commanders fan and you are on Instagram, make sure that you are following at WSH on the daily. On the daily just started in 2021 and yet has 23 and a half thousand followers. And On The Daily is literally daily. Uh, the page is updated every day. News, notes, reports, photos, graphics, uh, some great posts uh, this past week off everything going on with the commanders. Uh, on The Daily on Instagram is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information, doesn't just post anything that anyone says. Uh, on The Daily is a great place at which you can converse with other commanders fans regarding the team, the draft, free agency, and trades. On The Daily responds to every single DM. On The Daily is a page at which you can have fun, lots of creativity with jersey swaps and unique graphics and the contest Name That Redskin and free 
Wallpaper Wednesday, which is when On The Daily gives out free wallpaper that you can use on your phone. And On The Daily always has a great, fresh look. If you are on Instagram, check out at WSH On The Daily. And check out at WSH On The Daily's online shop, WSHOnTheDaily.com. Some outstanding gear, shirts, hoodies, excellent material, modern look. Uh, These are breathable and comfortable clothes, and they come with all kinds of looks. My personal favorite, a shirt that reads, hashtag Howell. 2023. (laughs) For smart, informative, fun, and engaging Commander's content, check out at WSH on the Daily on Instagram. And for great merch, check out WSHonTheDaily.com. So here's some interesting data courtesy of ESPN. Since the start of the 2020 season, Washington's record in regular season games in which receiver Terry McLaurin gets two or fewer first-half targets is just a 2-10 and as compared to 8-9-1 when he gets five or more first-half targets. Now, there is a chicken-and-egg aspect to this, because if Terry is getting more targets, then that likely means that Washington is on offense more. So is targeting Terry leading to Washington having sustained offensive drives, or are the sustained offensive drives leading to Terry being targeted more? But I think that we all would agree that good things tend to happen when Terry McLaurin is targeted. Uh, Consider even the loss at the Giants this past Sunday afternoon. Sam Howell on the commander's 13th offensive drive had two big completions to Terry McLaurin. Now, the drive did result in kicker Joey Sly's blocked 27-yard field goal attempt on the fourth snap of the fourth quarter. But the first snap of the drive on a late third quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at their 10. Sam had a 27-yard shotgun completion to Terry, who made a sensational catch near the right sideline while falling forward on his knees and getting sandwiched by two Giants defensive backs, corner Deontay Banks and safety Xavier McKinney, who got hit with a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty. And the fifth snap of the drive, the final snap of the third quarter on a third and nine for the Commanders at the Giants 47, Sam had a 31-yard shotgun completion to Terry on a bomb down the left sideline. Terry on the play, another terrific catch while falling forward. Terry, in the first half of the loss at the Giants, had no catches on one target. One first-half target for Terry this past Sunday afternoon. Inexcusable. Terry, in the second half of the loss at the Giants, had six receptions for 90 yards on eight targets. Sam Howell on Wednesday on the lack of targets for Terry McLaurin in the first half of the loss at the Giants. Yeah, well, I mean, not so... not. Like, it wasn't after the game where I noticed that. I mean, I noticed it throughout the game. You know, I noticed who's getting the ball and who's not getting the ball. And, you know, for me, obviously, you know, I, I try to do – I try to execute the play how I'm coached to execute the play. Um, and, obviously, we, did, we didn't get off to a good start and didn't get to a rhythm early on and weren't able to sustain drives. And so that that's going to limit everybody's targets. Um, and, obviously, we just got to do a better job of sustaining drives early on. And we've we've done that in some games. Um, and, and then in a few games, we've gotten ourselves in a hole in the first half. And it's it's hard, you know, when you're out there going three and out, you know, three and out a few times. It's hard to get everybody involved. And it's hard to, you know, feature one guy on the offense. Obviously, you know, Terry's a great player. And I think everyone saw, you know, when, when we are able to get more opportunities and be able to run more plays and sustain drives, we can get him the ball more and let him do what he does. Um, but it's just one of those things that we just got to do a better job early on in games just starting fast and sustaining those drives. And when we sustain drives, it creates more opportunities for everybody.
Well, the commander's rushing offense being better would lead to more sustained offensive drives for the team. It is true that Eric Bieniemy so far this season has leaned heavily on the pass, but it's also true that the commander's rushing offense so far this season really hasn't been that good. Although it is odd, the commanders for this regular season actually rank 11th in the NFL and rushing offense per DVOA, but the DVOA is a negative number, minus 3.5%. A negative DVOA for an offensive category is bad, and yet the team ranks 11th in the NFL in rushing offense. Sam Howell on Wednesday on if the commander's rushing offense getting going would be helpful. Yeah, well, I think every quarterback would say a, a good run game would help them for sure. Um, just because I think everyone knows if you run the ball well, then it opens up more stuff in the passing game. Um, so I think most teams probably go into every single game hoping to have a good balance of run and pass, and everyone wants to establish the running game because everything is built off of that. Um, you know, some games it's easier than others, um, and some games it just doesn't happen, and you're forced to throw the ball more than you'd like to. Um, but at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and make plays and try to make it happen. Um, but yeah, man, every, I think every offense would say they go into every single game trying to establish the running game just because it helps it helps the O-line out, helps the quarterback out, it helps the receivers have more space. Um, it just helps everybody when you're able to have that balance. And so now what? Uh, we, after the loss at the Giants, said the uh, curse word laden postgame sounding off of Commander's interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. Sam Howell on Wednesday on how he approaches the reality of his teammates being frustrated with the team having lost four of its last five games. Yeah, I mean, I try to make sure my guys are, you know, have the right mindset as far as coming in, coming into work this week. And obviously, everyone's emotional after the game and everyone's frustrated and you want you want people to feel that way you want people to be frustrated after losing to a team that we felt like we should have beat um and we've, we've we've lost a few games this year that we felt like we should have won and people should be frustrated um but at the same time that frustration needs to turn into coming in here with the right mindset and ready to work and ready to move on to the next opponent um and i think the guys have done a good job job of that and i'll continue to try to lead my offense and make sure everyone has the right mindset each and every day and is approaching things the right way and we have great leadership from the coaches great leaders on the team as far as players and I think we're we're, we're, we have the right mindset going into this week. Well, Sam Howell is one of the commander's two offensive captains. Terry McLaurin is the other. Here was Sam on Wednesday on the commander's offense sticking together in the midst of the uh, offense not doing too well. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it just comes down to, you know, we're all we're all in this together. Um, we have a lot of conversations about what we feel like we need to do. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the sack issue is what it is, and we're all trying to fix it, and we're all trying to do everything we can. We're all trying to do our part, and I think the first way to solve that is everyone has to acknowledge what they need to do better. Um, and I think we have that in our room, and our, we have that in our offense, and everyone's acknowledging different ways that we can, you know, help help, help each other out. Um, so that's the first thing. And then just trying to continue to communicate, continue to be on the same page and just continue to you know, have those open conversations about what we think we can do better to, to, give, to give each other more of a chance. Um, but we have such, such great guys in that offensive line room and great coaches. Um, so we definitely have the pieces. We just got to continue to grow and continue to get better each and every week. And when it comes to the commander's offense growing and getting better, look, the team has played just seven of its 17 games this regular season. The opportunity is there for this offense to get better and be good. In fact, if you look at the last three very good offenses for Washington, those for the 2012, 2015, and 2016 seasons, all three of those offenses got off to slow starts to varying degrees and then caught fire 
And the thing with this 2023 Commanders offense is that even with this monstrosity of a sack problem, the offense still has had good stretches in games and good games, period. Sam Howell on Wednesday on how close he believes the Commanders offense is to being good consistently. Yeah, I mean, I think we're really close. I think the fact that we've already shown we can get there says a lot. Um, And I think we've shown what our potential is. We've shown the standard that we want to play at. It's just a matter of each and every week of going into the game and executing the plan, everyone doing their job. And I think the more we play, the more we'll continue to grow and get better. And obviously, we'd like to play at our standard each and every week. Um, And we know in this league, it's not going to happen each and every week, but you definitely... You know, you should never lose a game when the defense gives up 14 points. Um, And I think that's the reality of it. And we just got to try to do our part and and help our defense out. But there's definitely a standard. And I think we've shown that standard a few times this year. And that's definitely the standard that we chase every single time we step on the field on Sundays. Sam Howell talking about the standard. The gold standard for fantasy sports is underdog fantasy. The no stress, no hassle, fun way to play Fantasy Sports, Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a limited-time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers a pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money if you sign up now with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy, will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, the Wizards this NBA season are almost certainly going to be bad. Uh, Probably really bad. So if you're a Wizards fan like me, you got to remind yourself that the team is set to be bad because otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy (laughs) with their games. Uh, The Wizards finally are rebuilding. That is a good thing. The team is essentially tanking this season, although this is not the hardcore tank that it could be. Not yet, anyway. But there is going to be some hideous basketball, and we saw that in the Wizards' 2023-2024 regular season opener on Wednesday night, a 143-120 loss at the Indiana Pacers. Uh, The Wizards trailed for the entire second half. They, in the first quarter, led by nine points at 28-19. They then lost the rest of the game, 124-124. 92. The Wizards' defense in this game was horrendous. The Wizards allowed the Pacers to score 143 points. The Wizards allowed the Pacers to go 20 of 43 on threes and 36 of 64 on twos. The Wizards allowed the Pacers to finish with 38 assists versus 12 turnovers. The Wizards' defense basically was non-existent. Now, the Wizards' defense prior to rebuilding was frequently basically non-existent. So this actually isn't that big of a change. But yeah, the Wizards on Wednesday night got victimized by the Pacers. Uh, The Wizards' offense was really good in the first quarter, but then not so good. Uh, The Wizards in the first quarter scored 39 points and went 4-7 on threes and 13-20 on twos. But the Wizards over the final three quarters scored just 81 points and went just 5-17 of on threes and just 31 of 76 on twos. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night. Um, clearly not our, our best effort. You know, I mean, it's, it's not to say that there weren't positives. I mean, we scored 120 points and, you know, there were some stretches where we did some good things. Uh, just not consistent enough. Uh, defensively, probably wasn't where it should be. Um, obviously, the transition piece was, was an issue. And we knew that going in, that that was a t- uh, strength of this team. 
Um, and, you know, at, at times the missed shots turn into runouts, you know, and uh, we made plays in the paint, you know, and, you know, whether it get knocked down or get, you know, off balance turns into runouts. So some of those are reasonable, but the vast majority, um, we just have to do a better job, show a little more urgency to get back. Uh, yes, you do. Boy, we have heard Wes Unsell Jr. say some version of that about a thousand times over the last two plus seasons. The Wizards hired Wes Jr. as head coach in July 2021. He'd been an assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets for six seasons. He, in December 2020, was promoted to associate head coach for the Nuggets. He oversaw the Nuggets' defensive game plans. Uh, Wes Jr. came to the Wizards off having done a good job as an assistant for the Nuggets in terms of getting them to play defense. He has not gotten the Wizards to play good defense with any kind of consistency. Uh, The Wizards starting five on Wednesday night, Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, Denny Avdia, and Daniel Gafford. Uh, No starter, no Wizards player, period, played for more than 28 minutes, 20 seconds. This was a blowout loss. Uh, Kyle Kuzma scored 25 points in just 24 minutes, 52 seconds as a starter. He went just one of four on threes, but did go eight of 14 on twos and six of six on free throws. He also had two blocks, but also just two rebounds and no assists. Jordan Poole in 26-19 as a starter, 0 of six on threes, and he committed four turnovers. He did go seven of 12 on twos and four of five on free throws and finished with 18 points, five assists, and two rebounds. Bilal Koulibaly played for 23 minutes, eight seconds off the bench. Uh, Three points, four rebounds, three blocks, three assists versus three turnovers. He became the youngest player in franchise history to play in a regular season opener, 19 years, 91 days as he made his NBA regular season debut. Like I said, the Wizards did look good in the first quarter. Tyus Jones had a big first quarter, nine minutes, 31 seconds of playing time, two of two on threes, three of three on twos, 12 points, two assists versus one turnover, also had a steal. Danilo Gallinari in that first quarter, five minutes, 47 seconds off the bench, 10 points. He went two of two on threes, and two at two on two. So the first quarter went well, but uh, then came the rest of the game. Uh, some absences for the Wizards. Uh, Johnny Davis, who the Wizards took with the number 10 overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft, did not play in the game due to a left elbow UCL sprain. Anthony Gill did not play in the game due to a left hamstring strain. And Landry Shamit did not play in the game due to a toe fracture on his left foot. Next up for the Wizards, their regular season home opener, home to the Memphis Grizzlies Saturday night at 7. And if you are looking to get tickets to a Wizards game uh, or a Commanders game or a Capitals game or whatever, download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. You see, the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's Games, a lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Also, Game Time is the app 
for last-minute ticket deals, so you don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on your tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. You never have to dig through your email. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app and use that promo code ALGALDI. Game Time, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So the Capitals, over their first five games of the 2023-2024 NHL regular season, incredibly had not played with a lead. Uh, Yet the Caps had not held a single lead and, in fact, had been down at least 2-0 in each of the five games. Well, I am happy to say that the Caps now have played with a lead, and they on Wednesday night got a wild win. They improved to 2-3-1 with a 6-4 win at the New Jersey Devils. This was a crazy game. The Caps won the first period 3-0. They then blew a 3-0 second period lead by losing the second period 4-0. But the Caps then won the third period 3-0. Here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Wednesday night after his first regular season regulation win as an NHL head coach. I also am like still... Still reliving the second. I haven't caught, quite gotten over um, what transpired there. But but uh, like I said, ha- happy with the the third period and and the resolve of of our group to to find a way there and, and not just because that though, a lot. I said it before, but most times those games, once you jump out to a lead and now you've given it back up, usually that you ride off into the sunset and you lose that hockey game and and our guys wouldn't be denied. Yeah, the Caps on Wednesday night scored six goals. The Caps, over their first five games of this regular season, had totaled six goals, uh, not counting center of Genny Kuznetsov's game-winning shootout goal in the 3-2 shootout win over the Calgary Flames at Capital One Arena on October 16th. A lot of Caps contributed on Wednesday night. Four Caps each had two points. Top-line center Dylan Strom scored two goals, a first-period even-strength goal and a third-period power play goal as the Caps went 1-3 on the power play. This was Strom's second two-goal game in three games. A top-line left wing Alex Ovechkin, a second consecutive good game. He had a third period even strength empty net goal, a first period primary assist, a game high tying four shots on goal, and a game high 10 total shot attempts. Ovi was number five on the Caps and five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 56. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five on five situations in the game had 14 shot attempts versus allowing 11 shot attempts. Also, Fourth line right wing Anthony Mantha had a good game. As you may recall, Mantha for that win over the Flames was a healthy scratch, but Mantha on Wednesday night had a first period even strength goal and a third period primary assist. He was number three on the Caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 57.69. The Caps with Mantha on the ice in five on five situations in the game had 15 shot attempts versus allowing 11 shot attempts. And if Genny Kuznetsov, as the Caps 
second line center had two assists. Uh, the cap starting goaltender in this 6-4 win at the Devils on Wednesday night was Hunter Shepard. Uh, this was the second game of a back-to-back, so Darcy Kemper got the night off. Uh, the Caps on Tuesday morning announced that they had recalled Shepard from their AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears, and had loaned goaltender Clay Stevenson to Hershey, as the Caps number two goaltender, Charlie Lindgren, does remain out due to having gotten injured during the Caps' morning skate on October 16th. Shepard, in his NHL regular season debut on Wednesday night, uh, stopped 18 of the 22 shots on goal that he faced. He was that great, uh, but he ended up being good enough. Uh, Shepard in the second period stopped just 10 of the 14 shots on goal that he faced, but he over the first and third period stopped all eight of the shots on goal that he faced. Shepard per natural stat trick stopped just four of the eight high danger shots on goal that he faced. This was Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Wednesday night on Hunter Shepard. Yeah, pr- proud of him. A um, lo- lot of good performances. Stromer, um, Anthony Mantha, um, to, to get that goal early for him. It's great play on that two-on-one, the look-off shot. But Shep specifically for, for him, his first NHL start, probably not the way that um, we, we wanted to draw it up from a standpoint of um, jumping out to a lead in the second period in that. But um, that's a cool moment. He'll, he'll never forget that for the rest of his life. And I'm sure family, friends, people in the building, uh, first NHL start to get a win. Uh, happy for him. He's at a long road. Uh, the Caps on Wednesday night, one of one on the penalty kill. Uh, first time in six games this regular season that the Caps did not allow a power play goal. The Caps committed just one penalty. Uh, third line left wing Sonny Milano committed a second period hooking minor. Uh, also, the Caps won the game despite per natural stat trick having just eight five on five high danger shot attempts to the Devils 16. Uh, and we do have an injury worry coming out of this game. Defenseman Rasmus Sandin got hurt in the game. He left the game in the third period after taking a big hit from Devils defenseman and former Caps defenseman Jonas Siegenthaler. And speaking of former Caps, the Devils backup goaltender on Wednesday night was former Caps goaltender Vitek Vanacek. Uh, he came off the bench and stopped 14 of the 16 shots on goal that he faced. Next up for the Caps, home to the Minnesota Wild Friday night at 7. Well, this Caps win at the Devils on Wednesday night, not the smoothest win, certainly not as smooth as Caldera Lab will have you looking. Uh, go to calderalab.com and use the promo code GALDI. Caldera Lab is the best in the skincare game. Join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self. Plus, Caldera Lab makes for a great gift. Uh, look, if you're a guy and you're like me, you do not know much about skincare, but Caldera Lab makes skincare for guys easy. The Caldera Lab regimen includes three products the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. The Clean Slate is a face wash that starts and ends your day and leaves all skin types refreshed. The Base Layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the Good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. One minute each morning and one minute each night. That's all that it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And you'll be looking like a million bucks. And here's a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. 
Go to calderalab.com. Caldera is spelled C-A-L-D-E-R-A. Calderalab.com. And use the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, to get 20% off. Yeah, calderalab.com, promo code GALDI, 20% off. Show your best self or make an unforgettable impression with a great gift. Calderalab.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off. That's calderalab.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off. And before we call it a show, I do have a quick Goldilocks preview and pick for you as Virginia Tech football is in action on Thursday night. The Hokies are home to Syracuse Thursday night at 7.30. Tech per Crab Sports minus two and a half. The Hokies are rested and are coming off a nice win. Their last game was on October 14th when they improved to three and four overall and two and one in the ACC with a 30-13 win over Wake Forest at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. This was the Hokies homecoming game. They held a 10-7 lead in the second quarter. They then won the rest of the game 26. Uh, The Hokies head coach Brent Pry went with the Baylor transfer Kyron Drones as a team starting quarterback for a fifth consecutive game as the Hokies QB1 to begin the season. Grant Wells has been dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, Drones in this win over Wake Forest, terrific as a passer, 20 of 29 for 321 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. He took just one sack. He did have 14 carries for just 62 yards when you take out the one sack that he took. And Drones did quarterback a Hokies offense that went just 3 of 12 on third downs. He wasn't perfect, but That stat line in terms of his passing, 20 of 29 for 321 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions and the taking of just one sack. That's one of the best games for a Hokies quarterback over the last few seasons. Uh, Also, Tech's defense in the win over Wake Forest was great. Tech held Wake Forest offense to no touchdowns, just 3.74 yards per play and just 3 of 14 on third downs. A monster game for Tech defensive lineman Antoine powell Ryland Jr., Four sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. The four sacks tied for the most sacks by a player in a game in program history. Uh, the Syracuse Orange, it is a 4-3 and three overall and 0-3 oh and in the ACC. Three consecutive losses since a 4-0 start. The three losses, all ACC losses, and by a combined score of 112-24. Although, the last two games were road games against the two best teams in the ACC, North Carolina and Florida State. Uh, Syracuse has a dual-threat quarterback, Garrett Schrader. Uh, Schrader, two years ago, this week, in fact, worked the Hokies. October 23rd, 2021, Virginia Tech suffered a 41-36 home loss to Syracuse in a game in which the Hokies got outscored in the fourth quarter, 21-10. Schrader in that game went to 16-34 passing, but had 22 carries for 174 yards and three touchdowns, in addition to two touchdown passes versus no interceptions. Uh, The public is fairly heavily on Syracuse. Look, it's hard to trust the Hokies, okay, but they are playing better. Uh, Thursday night traditionally has been a good night for Tech, 23-12 and all-time on ESPN's Thursday Night Football, and this game does mark a third consecutive road game for Syracuse. Give me Virginia Tech minus two and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Snoop Dogg, and more from you on Friday's show.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 687. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders as we will get you ready for the Commanders game against the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon, including rhyming keys, my keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion, and commentary on what is said by assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio in pre-practice press conferences on Thursday and I on Friday's show. We'll talk college football week nine, including reaction to Virginia Tech's home game against Syracuse on Thursday night at 7.30. And Goldilocks, my college football previews and picks against the spreads, the games that I'll be getting into on Friday's show, Maryland at Northwestern, Saturday at noon. Number 25, James Madison, home to Old Dominion, Saturday night at 8. As yes, the Dukes have earned their way into being a part of Goldilocks and Virginia at Miami Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm going to take anything off the table. Does that include the trade deadline coming next week? That we'll talk about once we get there. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.